0: Introducing Raquel Cherry, LICSW, LCSW, LMSW, owner and CEO of Healing Through Therapy, LLC. Passionate about supporting high-capacity leaders in prioritizing their mental health, Raquel firmly believes in the importance of caring for oneself as much as one's work in the marketplace. She understands the challenges faced by individuals and strives to empower them to embrace life's obstacles and achieve their highest potential. Join us on Elisha's Space podcast as we delve into the important topic of racial trauma with the insightful and compassionate Raquel Cherry.
1: Welcome, audience of Elisha's Space. I want to let you all know how excited and happy I am to have you join Elisha's Space today. These things are not taken lightly, and you are so, so appreciated. Today, we have the very great and good pleasure of having Raquel Cherry join us today. She is the CEO of Healing Through therapy. And she is a licensed independent clinical social worker in DC and a licensed clinical social worker in Virginia and a licensed master social worker in Maryland. So in other words, y'all, she got a whole lot of ABCs with her name. So her heart is to work with individuals in community settings and to help give them to a place of wholeness and healing. And she also enjoys working with leaders as well. So Raquel, I just want to thank you for joining us today. I thank you for your heart and working with other people, you guys, just so that you will notice an immediate rapport between Raquel and I, because we've known each other and we're very good friends. So we might get a little silly on this podcast, but just know it's because we're friends and we're silly and we just act like that sometimes. So
2: Just want to thank you, Raquel, for joining us today. Thank you, Elisha. I appreciate you for having me. Our first podcast. I'm very excited. Well,
1: it will be the first of many, I'm sure. So could you briefly tell us a
2: little bit about you and your journey that brought you to this place? Okay. So as a licensed independent clinical social worker, I originally became interested in the idea of being a social worker or a therapist, actually because my mom passed away when I was 13. Although growing up, I knew that I needed something. I didn't know what it was, so I didn't know what therapy was. And my dad, who was left to take care of four girls and a son from a distance, I'll say, he didn't know. (laughs) He didn't know either, so he did the best he could. We had a village, we had church, we had family, we had all of that, but something was missing. So as I got older, I learned more about therapy, and I decided to go into the field of social work because I wanted to be the therapist that I didn't have for others. I wanted to be able to give this gift to people because I learned about it later on in life. And I believe that people need it earlier in life. Just how I got to therapy. I'm of the mindset that
1: everyone needs a therapist or a counselor, especially in these times, because there are so many things coming at us at one time. And things like the Internet is good, but sometimes too much information can oversaturate us. So I really feel like everyone should have a counselor or a therapist or, and not just a good friend, like friends are great, but you need to talk to
2: a professional to help you with process some of these things that are happening in our world today. Absolutely. Someone who is trained, who has done the work, who has been acclimated to society so they can engage with different types of people. And that's not to say that people need a therapist or a counselor, forever, when the talk their entire life, but during difficult times, or even when we're trying to strategize and transition to the next point in our lives for support in any way, it's sometimes through like blessings. Like when big things, great things happen that we've been praying for, sometimes we need someone to walk us through the steps of taking it all in. And that's what therapy and counselors do. That's what we do. So I agree with you. We all
1: and Raquel, you're a life coach as well. You do life
2: coaching as well. Is that correct? I do. So specifically, so because licensed in D.C. and Virginia at the highest level, I could do independent work with D.C. residents, Washington, D.C. residents and Virginia residents. So I can be a one-on-one therapist. I could do individual work with them, clinical work with them. Because I am licensed in Maryland, not at the clinical level yet, I can life coach with those in Maryland and really people anywhere. So that's another way that I can reach a greater population with life coaching, building those skills.
1: I think that's pretty cool because in a way you're like covering all the aspects and with your background and training, you can even with a life coaching, you can implement that as well too. So I think that's pretty cool.
2: That makes you very different from other life coaches, actually. I appreciate that. It's a way to definitely connect with the larger population. And yeah, I mean, originally I didn't even consider it, but it's been working all out well for me. So.
1: so what types of challenges have you been seeing in the arena of mental health that people are facing at this time? What types of challenges are you coming across?
2: So some challenges I've noticed with clients that I've been working with just off the top, people are like, I'm so glad I found a black woman to work with. Like are saying that. And so people are saying that to me too. Yeah. And it's it's like they've been searching. And I'm like, why? Because I'm connected to so many black counselors, therapists, and I do know a lot of us are working hard. So we are busy. So we are a lot of us are at capacity, but there's still a need for black and brown therapists. Women and especially men, like yeah. in, uh, yeah, it's there's a shortage in black men, therapists, brown male therapists, and as a black woman, I understand the importance of being able to look at someone who reminds me of me, not having to explain every detail in the culture. Of course, everyone has their independent experience, but if I want to wear a twist out and I'm talking about how hard it was. <laughs> (laughs) to manage my hair this week because I did a twist out. Then it was 100 degrees outside. It sweated out by the time I got to the event that I was going to the networking event. I want somebody to understand that. I don't want to have to break down how my hair is different than another culture's hair and this is what we do. All of that is getting in the way of the actual reason we're here, which is therapy. So I get it. Like something as simple as a twist out and hair texture is something that people just want the therapist they're talking to to get or different ways were brought up or just culturally competent um, things that are not taught in a book. <laughs> they're not taught in a book. You can't
1: beat culture. It's a couple, a few years ago, I went to a comedy club. It was a, like a co- comedy club and had dinner. And it was right after COVID and they started doing the lift, the lifts of the restrictions and things i can't tell you how happy i was to walk into that area and smell cocoa butter and shea butter <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> that is that something you can like say to somebody and they'll get
2: it's like you're an author, he's up in that spot where be but it's you're like, okay, so my people, they're in the building. <laughs> I knew I was
1: in the right place. I didn't even realize how much I miss the connection and the community of just being around us. You know what I'm saying? So, And that's not to alienate other communities or other cultures. It's just as a Black woman, as a Black female, there's just some things that I can say and do that other cultures are not going to get. And I think it applies to others as well. So, yes, we get
2: excited over Cocoa Butter and Shea Butter. Last of the things, Cocoa Butter, Shea Butter, twist out. Yes, absolutely. I mean, that's just things. And it's not to, like you said, isolate any other groups, but generally speaking, I think most of us are more comfortable around people that are like us, generally speaking. So, I mean, I work with all different types of races, all different types of backgrounds. But I'm saying specifically black women flock to me because I look like them, because I look like them and I'm able to connect with them on different levels. Therefore, they feel more comfortable. I'm with it. I'm with it. I appreciate it. I mean, the vernacular, the slang, different things we just don't have to explain. After a while, you get tired of having to explain. So it's nice to have a break from doing that. And that's one of the challenges I've seen currently in the mental health space. There doesn't seem to be enough of us doing the work. But it's so interesting because there are a lot of us doing the work, but there's still for the population, the grand population of the world, it's still we're still minority. Like still. I mean it makes sense, but I I just wish it was different.
1: I I also think what's happening is because In the past, really, even the most recent past, there's been misinformation about mental health. Like something is wrong with you if you talk about having mental health. If you talk about I'm depressed and people will say things, well, you just get up and do your thing. and Or you experience something that's bad. Maybe you're grieving and you're told you just go ahead and get over it. That kind of a thing. And that's very prevalent within the Black community. So what i found is that because that lie is being exposed and it's unraveling, what I'm finding is more people are realizing, hey, I need help. So there's a greater influx of people that are coming in who are needing help. And let's not diminish trauma the Black community has had to face. And I'm not trying to alienate other communities and not saying there aren't traumas. But I can speak on this as a Black woman. We have not addressed our traumas. We have not dealt with our traumas from the past. And so I think the greater influx is also coming because people are wanting to get help and address those traumas so we can really get the healing we need. And I think it's a very pivotal time Right now, for us to be where
2: we are, and at this, time, I'm very excited for our culture at this time. Yeah, Yeah. so am I. That's a those are good points you bring up because yeah, we have a lot of trauma, and I don't know. I would say just like my dad is, he'll be 79 in a couple of weeks. And with him growing up, and my dad was my very favorite person in the whole wide world. Okay, I had my he was a great dad. He is a great dad, but he did not know what a therapist was. Like when I went to school, he was like, what you going to school for? My dad is from the South. He quit school in the eighth grade. He was born in 1944. He quit school in the eighth grade so he could move up to New York, where we're from, Rochester, New York, to make money for his family. He's one of 11 siblings so he could send money back to his family. So in the eighth grade, he did that. So he did not get the vast he didn't even go to high school so the concept of a therapist was foreign to him so when i said i'm going to school i'm going to be a therapist he was like what is that he didn't know when i would say some more recently when i was speaking to him about my uh degree and this was maybe this this was years ago he he just referred to me as his lawyer he was like ah that's my lawyer that's my doctor. And in his mind, that's just someone higher up in the community that's doing something great, taking care of people, because he did not understand the concept of therapy. He just didn't. It wasn't something that they did. It wasn't something they spoke about. That just wasn't it. So to your point, like for generations, if we were uninformed or we didn't have access to therapy or we didn't know what it was, then of course we would shy away from it. Telling people our business is something I was told as a kid, do not do. <laughs> no and all that therapy is telling someone, well, that's a lot of it I'll say. Tell, sharing with someone your life experiences, what you're going through, your trauma, the things that can be going great and we're gonna figure out how to get you through. So so yeah, a lot of us weren't taught that. we were taught the opposite because we had to protect ourselves. So now, with mental health, therapy, counseling being more normalized in society, it does make sense that now more people are getting connected with their mental health, their physical health. And now we're here to serve. We're ready, but we do need more people who are licensed and ready to work with our population. But yeah, I love us. I love everyone, but I love us. And I think I shouldn't have to say I love everyone every time I say I love us. So I'm just gonna stick with. I get that.
1: The other side of it too is we were discouraged in a lot of ways from going to seeing a professional. I believe personally, I believe, I think you believe this too, because we've had office conversations that there's a lot of undiagnosed mental health situations, i put it like that, within um, our community. Whereas if We would have gotten medication, or if we would have gotten the correct strategies or coping skills, I believe we would have had a more wholesome and together family. I remember now my mom is a psychologist. So I grew up with mental health, and it was part of how I grew up. I grew up helping her with her private practice. When I was like in college and when I was like outside of my Circle, really. I began to realize that a lot of people within the Black community would literally say and think, "Well, that's not for us. That's for other cultures. That's not for us." I'll even be bold and say, "That's for white people. White people get therapy. We don't need therapy." So I found that as well. So I'm so glad, even though we're talking about the issues and that, and yes, we do need more Black and Brown therapies, especially men. And or people who are advocates within the mental health community, I'm so glad that there's like this awakening that's occurring because it's going to make it better, not just for us, but for future generations, because we're now really starting to deal with those issues, those great deep-seated issues that have held us back for so long. So,
2: yep, generations to come for my daughter, for my grandchildren, and, and for generations to come. It's important. Yeah,
1: it's so important. What would you say regarding self-care? What does that look like? How how do you feel like it has helped a person's well-being
2: when they're from the lens of mental health? Okay, so self-care is essential. I think a lot, like if you go on social media, we always talk about social media, but it is a thing. There are lots of people demonstrating how they care for themselves. I think it's important to know that Everyone's self-care regimen can be different because we need to care and love ourselves in different ways. But it's essential often because I'll give an example. A single mom who has one or more children, she's working, she's got to cook, she's got to make sure the bills are paid. She's doing this, she's doing that. Or an executive or a doctor. I have some clients who are, I work with a lot of clients who are high capacity. So they're, they're working 10 to 12 hours a day. They need to still eat. They want to exercise to take care of their body. There's a lot going on. So the work demands often overshadow taking care of their body. So self-care is essential. So even when I said, I just gave that example, like exercise is a great self-care regimen. One, because it's taking care of your physical health, but it's also helping with your mental health because often like anxiety. So for us to do something physical with our body We're literally working that anxiety out. That's how I explain it in layman terms. So that's taking care of yourself in more than one ways. But we have to learn specifically how to care and love for ourselves. If you don't know how to care and love for yourself in any type of relationship, like a parent to a child relationship, a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship with a friend, people can misuse you. Or you can allow yourself to be misused and mistreated or overworked if you don't know how to care for yourself. If you can get yourself back to calm, to peace, to joy, through exercise. Some people, like for me, I need lashes and I need layers <laughs> I need, I, there's just certain things. That's the basic level of self-care. Reading a good book, going to the spa, getting a massage, be like quiet time to myself taking vacations, being able to see the world when I can. those are different levels of self-care that I need to replenish myself like any body of water. the beach the beach is always the place for me. If I'm overwhelmed and I could drive to a beach, like that's why I love the summertime so much. It's just it's calming, it's healing, it's all of these things. We have to be able to take care of ourselves. And if we don't know, it's cool, we can find it out in therapy or counseling but we have to be able to do the things that will help us sustain us as we move through life into our next. So it's essential, self-care is important. A lie that I think has also been
1: encouraged, I think it's starting to become more unraveled now, but in the past that has been encouraged is that if you do self-care you're being selfish. And and a lot of times what I've explained to people is because I work with a lot of people who are who are Christians, but I see everybody, but still I work, a lot of Christians are drawn to me. And so a lot of times I'll use that scripture that talks about the commandments where Jesus said, the first commandment is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second commandment is, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you can't effectively love others until you show love towards yourself. And that's like a aha moment for so many people, because in the past it was taught, well, it's God first, the other person second, and you're third. When in actuality, as long as it's not from a place of pride, it should be God first, taking care of yourself second, and then loving others third. So what are your thoughts when you've come across that? Because I'm sure you've heard that as well. Prioritizing
2: others over ourselves, and feeling like you're being selfish. So I've I've definitely heard it. When people say self care is selfish, I mean selfish. Selfishness has a negative connotation to it. So just don't use the negative word. Just don't say selfish. It is prioritizing yourself. That's how I present it to clients. You have to, just like you so eloquently quoted those Bible verses, miss Eli. You have to prioritize. You she broke that bottle. Down, okay. (laughs) (laughs) We have to prioritize ourselves. It is selfish. I mean, I don't selfish to me. It can seem like a negative word, but self care is not selfish. It's prioritizing yourself. Myself, I am a single mom of a seventeen year old. I had her, Mm -hmm. but at some point, I had to say, okay, it's time for me to take care of myself. When I was going through my master's program. And I was dragging her to class with me because I didn't have a babysitter or I couldn't afford it. Like, I spent the whole day with my child. I made sure she was in the bed by uh, 7 o'clock on the dot. No, 8 o'clock. It was probably about, we started about 7, about 8 o'clock on the dot. So I could have the rest of the evening for myself the last two hours. Like, you have to prioritize yourself. And this is something you learn because once you continue to give and you have no time for yourself, you lose yourself. Mm -hmm. So... As a parent, if my door is closed, you need to lock them. You need to knock on my bedroom door before you come in the door, because this is my space. Yes, child, you could come in. I love you, just knock, because it's my space. So that's me prioritizing me even within my home. So I know when when kids are young, it's very hard. They come in the bathroom with you. They do this. They do that. But parents could set up systems to where kids know, nope, if mom's in the bathroom, you can't come in here that may take time. They might get to age four or five or whatever it is. I think it could be done younger where people can prioritize themselves. So if you we want to say self-care is selfish, it can be, but it's what you need. It's it's fuel to get you to the next step. It's strategy. Like you have to do this if you want to be successful. And I think if we look at a lot of the famous people that we see, everyone says, take care of yourself. And they all. They usually have a story about how they didn't take care of themselves and they had some kind of medical event or mental breakdown, as somebody might call it, or awakening to where they're like, oh, I need to take better care of myself. That's what Drake's doing right now. It happens. I mean, it happens We're people, like our bodies are not machines. We cannot constantly go. Even though in my 20s, I did a lot of things and I could feel like I could stay up to two in the morning, go to work at seven. These are different now. You have to prioritize yourself, and we have. To well, prioritize. in fairness, what we
1: do in our twenties is a lot different from what we do when we're older. We have more. All falling east when we're That's older. We're well, seasoned now. So That's right. Oh, listen, I'm not claiming seasoned now, but I'm definitely <laughs> not in my twenties. in the twenties. Yeah. Well, when I think about yeah, I could do more. I could stay up until two or three o'clock in my twenties. Because I didn't have to, I didn't have kids. Like that. I you know, I didn't have responsibilities. Now I can't
2: do that, so. 11 o'clock the next day. I miss those days, man. Because right now it's like a 5 a.m., 6 a.m. schedule. That's what I'm on. Mm-hmm. But you
1: know what? It, it's the season for everything, right?
2: So it mm-hmm. won't be forever.
1: I, and regarding self-care, and especially as I think about the, the Black community, I really think it's important to folk for um, self-care. And part of the reason for that is, and I mentioned the black community, but my mind is going other places too. I think about people that I've seen for couples counseling. And when it's been some unhealthy things going on within the relationship, what I found is there's this dynamic of one partner or both partners falling into a place of codependency and not doing the self-care. And then they're trying to figure out, well, how did we get here? Well, part of the reason is because you lost yourself in the relationship because you weren't doing the care for yourself. You weren't establishing those boundaries for yourself.
2: That's what I was going to say, boundaries. Yep. So self-care
1: helps you to build Boundaries and helps you to define what is important to you because it's very hard to be in a relationship. I'm of the opinion, personally, that if you're not in a place of showing yourself self-care, maybe you should be in a relationship because that person cannot be everything to you. That person cannot be your identity. It's impossible. It's
2: impossible because it will be an unhealthy relationship. How can you if you don't take? Care of yourself? How can you tell someone what you need or how to take care of yourself? Like seeking therapy and going to counseling is self care. You are maintaining yourself. You are checking in with yourself. You're learning about yourself. It's important.
1: So I really think that
2: the combination of,
1: as I had mentioned before and touched on that topic about the Black community, I also think overall, We are doing a better job now when it comes to self-care. But in the past, I don't think we did a good job of taking care of ourselves. You know what I mean? And self-care for us, how do I say this? Self-care for us is not just doing our nails and doing our hair because most of the time, we pretty much on point when it comes to those things. That's true. But I think self-care for us also, is defining and speaking our boundaries and telling our truth in a space where people are respecting the
2: boundaries that are there. So, setting the boundaries and maintaining the boundaries which is a whole, a whole—I would say another thing. Like you can set a boundary, but when people come against your boundaries, they push up against your boundary. You need to be able to maintain the boundary, and if that person can't respect your boundary, they are no longer allowed within your, whatever, space, circle. Like, they they don't have the capacity (laughs) to abide by the boundaries. So I hear you. It's deeper. It's deeper. I think it's more difficult to do, too, when you're in
1: particular situations or circumstances. I was very vague, and I need to become more specific. Okay. So when in situations where there's, okay, I'm just going to say it. So I'll make this general statement regarding the housing market in the United States. It's no secret that there are some housing communities that prefer to not have black and brown people within those communities and things are done in order to prevent them from entering in. Okay. So also true, I believe when you're working for different organizations and sometimes There are things done in order to prevent someone who is black or brown to move into those different organizations. At some point within your own boundaries and your foundational value system, self-care can look like I'm choosing to do something different. You follow what I'm saying? Versus following what I need to follow because it is not serving me. I got very deep towards the end of the podcast. (laughs) if we're talking about self-care and what that looks like we you can't ignore this topic
2: I agree I I would say self-care could be getting yourself it could be removing yourself from the toxic environment I mean that's the bottom line if something isn't healthy for you you have to prioritize yourself and some people might say, well, I have to pay my bills. I got to do this. I got to do that. I hear you 100%. It's very expensive to live in a DMV. It's very expensive to live in different places around the world. So I hear you. But are you developing a plan to eventually leave? Because in a job, you get in a work environment. It's toxic. You know you're treated differently because of your color. Or you have evidence. So you have these experiences where you're like, This person, You are picking up the cues of I'm clearly being treated differently due to who I am or who I present to be, who I show up as, who I I love me, but people are not treating me the same. We don't have to stay in those environments. We get to choose. Now we get to choose how to transition out of this environment into another one. Maybe you don't get up and quit your job without having another job in place. That wouldn't be wisdom. But you don't have to stand for this. Maybe you go to HR. Maybe you try to change a policy. Maybe. But you can also set up a plan to exit because it's going to be pretty hard. Nah, I'm not even going to say that. What I'm going to say is prioritize you. Your job is not to change the mind of everyone on the face of the earth. At least that's how I see it. My job is to prioritize. I don't have the capacity to do this. I'm here to do a job. If I'm here to do a job, and the people at the job are treating me a certain way or whatever. I have to prioritize me. So let me develop a plan. Applying the jobs could be a plan. Okay, I'm going to get myself to the end of the year to apply the jobs and see what happens. It could be, all right, let me get my licensure and my different things in place so I can have my own business and transition into that. It could be a lot of different scenarios. But that's caring for yourself. You have to care for yourself. And I think often we, we taught not to. So that's how... It's harder for us to get to this place. I look at how in the 70s, there was a a
1: larger percentage of Blacks in the United States that owned their own businesses. And how now, I believe it was over like 70% or something like that. And around 2020, it was like less than 30%, right? And so... I look at that and I consider, and this is part of the reason why I decided to become, go into this role of business owner, because I realized that what happened was they look for the new within those opportunities and how they can properly care for themselves and the others around them. And so they created these businesses, you see. So there, I encourage audience, I encourage you to look to the new. Look, if if there's things where that person or an institution or whatever the situation might be, because we could go political too. If you're not, if what is happening is not serving you, if it's not nourishing you, that's how I usually tell people, is this nourishing you? If it's not nourishment to you, then how can you? Where's the new? Where's the opportunity? Because if it's not nourishing you, then what's it doing? Definitely taking away. It is taking away, and a lot of times, it's. I mean, I'll have to admit I have a sweet tooth, and those who know me know I'm overweight. So I'm, I'm telling. I talk on this topic so because I'm that way. I'm safe. So I'll have a slice of cake, and I'll have a carrot. Okay. I have a slice of cake and I have a carrot. The carrot is going to nourish me. The cake is not going to nourish me, right? It's going to taste good and it's convenient and it's easy. Carrot might not fill me up. So maybe I'm going to have something else with it. Maybe it'll be a little bit more work, but the carrot is nourishing me. That's the difference. You have to do the thing that is nourishing to you, no matter what that organization is. If you have to create something, then you work towards creating it. If there's another job out there for you, then you work on doing that other job. I've even heard of situations, and I am not advocating for this, this would not work for me, but maybe it's nourishing for you, audience, where some people have left the States and moved to Africa, and that was nourishment for them. There's also people that left the States, moved to Africa, then came back to the States, because they realized that it wasn't nourishing for them after all, but it was part of their healing journey. So you have to do what what is best in serving you. And that's not being selfish, because remember the scripture I made that I had said, I didn't make it, Jesus made it, where he said, um, do the second part of it. Most people don't have the problems with the first part, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And then the second commandment I think we have a hard time with is love your neighbor as you love yourself. So you're thinking you're being unselfish and you're being caring by pouring out to all these people and all these organizations that are not serving you, but you cannot effectively love other people within your circle because you are not taking care of yourself. Sometimes self-care is simply doing a check on who's there on on who is in my life that's serving me and is nourishing me and is worth the and is worth that even the time to build a relationship with so that's why i say sometimes self-care is a heavy topic and it can look different to different people but with guarding the community and the culture of the black community i think it can look it looks different so yeah
2: it matters something yourself because our hair and our nails will be on fleet and our clothes will be tight. Generally speaking, that is it. You are correct. Go deeper is the message. Yeah. So, Raquel, what resources
1: would you suggest for other people? If you can't think of any right now because I spurred it on you, that's okay. That they could what reach
2: out to
1: In regards to anything we talked about, what resources would you suggest for other people that you can think of that they could tap into? In the arena of self-care, maybe they want to do a little bit more study and things of that nature. Oh,
2: gotcha. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to plug therapists, counselors, mental health professionals, psychologists. Self-care, I would say a good starting point for anyone who really wants to lean into taking better care of themselves is to connect with your primary care doctor. That's really good. (laughs) Let's, Let's start there. Get your physicals, get your blood work done. If you don't have a PCP, a primary care doctor, that should be a priority because we need to maintain our physical bodies. And often when we go for these checkups, we have conversations with our doctors. They can provide us with resources or referrals and say, hey, this sounds like maybe it will be helpful for you to go see a profession about this. Like maybe what you're saying is actually it might be depression. Because a lot of us are just used to the grind, the hustle, the day in, the day out, working for a job. It does not nourish us. We're just working to pay the bills. And after doing that year upon year or trying so hard to please a boss, a supervisor, prioritizing this job, we don't realize that we are actually depressed. This is a small tangent, but I believe that work should be a part of our life, but definitely not the priority. Right. Yeah. Working, finances, that's a tool for me to get to my next, but it's not the focus of my life. It's just another thing that I do in life. I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. I believe that I'm called to to help people heal, but it's not the only thing I'm going to do. So I won't prioritize my work over things like God and myself. So that's a good starting point. I, if there are issues, concerns, or you see patterns in your family, all of us blow up when we talk. Like, we can't just have a, a normal family conversation. When I go to my field, my sister, not my sister's, my friend's house, I see that they have conversations, they laugh with each other, they might argue, but they can still talk and enjoy the rest of their day. You might want to go see a counselor to see what generally, generationally has been learned and passed down through the family just to work some of those things out. Also, resources, Google is our friend. So if we're able to Google, uh, I don't know, mental health support locally or what are some ideas for self-care that I could do on a budget if finances are the issue, that type of thing, I think that would be helpful. Self-care, I think those are the ones I could think about. You can also lean into people that you see that you may know that may be in a better space than you. Self-care-wise, there may be some people that you know or you see that look to be taking care of themselves. You can lean into getting to know them more to see exactly what resources they're using, how do they maintain, how do they balance. Well, I already use the word balance because I think we have to prioritize different things at different times. So I don't know if balance is a word, but like how do people go through their day and do all the things that they do: work, exercise, take care of family, or not take care of family, but enjoy their lives. Do all of these things of the day, and still enjoy it and love themselves. You can lean into people and have them mentor you through those seasons. Those are some ways. Can
1: do that. Raquel, what I find amazing about you is, and I'm y'all, I'm being very sincere. When I what I find amazing about you is, you took a trauma that of your mother's passing and part of your healing journey was you wanted to be available to other people who didn't have what you have. So how can someone, how can, if someone wants to get to know, if someone wants to potentially reach out to you for your services, how can they contact you?
2: Wow. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. It has been a journey. And if I could just speak a little more about that. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, go ahead. So what I'll say is not to stay on this topic for too long, but okay, my life experiences have influenced my ability to connect with others. Like we go to school, we're we're taught different strategies and research and topics on how to conduct therapy with people, psychology, all of those things. But life experiences, that's not in the book. It's not in the book. How to go through grief and you're the only one in your family who wants to actually address this grief. I'm not saying that's my experience. I'm just saying generally. Like that stuff is not in a textbook. So experiencing loss, being in relationships, pushing myself past what my body could actually physically take. Like I'm speaking from a place of experience. So and then learning how to set boundaries and maintain those boundaries. And even though people or family or friends don't understand the boundaries, like me still enforcing them, those type of things, life experiences. So those, in addition to my coursework, life experience has taught me a lot. So so I do enjoy working with people as they learn how to prioritize themselves and heal from life challenges and traumas. And a way that people can get in contact with me, I have a few, is through my website. My business is called Healing Through Therapy. My website is healingthroughtherapyllc.org. My Instagram is under. And those are the most, the easiest ways to get in contact with me, yeah. To do therapy, I do individual therapy. I do couples counseling. I do life coaching, and I also do trainings for businesses. I hold groups. That's the things that we do. So, so yes, those are some ways to get in contact. An audience, let me say this because I can't
1: for most of the guests I have on the show I can't make this statement. Some of them I cannot make this statement, but I know Raquel personally. We've known each other a while has it been a year a little bit over a year We've known each other for a while and she, she's genuine this is this what you're seeing or hearing about i should say on this podcast this is her so yeah this is her she's genuine she's authentic she's the kind of person that just cares and so she it, that cares so and like we at Mitcham before, we need more therapists. We need more people that are out there. So this is not, oh, Elisha, she's taking some no, we, this is in this industry, is I don't even want to say it's it's a help, it's truly a helping industry. There's no we don't have a lot of competition, if you want to call it that, because Anina is so great. So I know she is taking clients, she only sees them virtually, and if you'd like to make an appointment with her please reach out because I don't believe she's accepting clients. Okay. So, so that's how you, we can reach out to her. We touched on whether the audience you realize it or not at Elijah's space, we touched on racial trauma and we also touched on self-care and we tied that into how within the trauma, you can show yourself self-care. So we want to thank you Raquel for joining us today. It was a true pleasure. You are welcome. Anytime an audience from elisha space we thank you for taking out the time to hearing us today to hearing us talk about these difficult topics to hearing us and maybe you were in agreement maybe you agreement, disagreement put it in the notes let your thoughts be known on the show on the on the question and on the notes from the podcast we really want to hear what you have to say we really want to hear your thoughts and as you move forward within your journey be well. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll subscribe so we can keep the conversation going. Now go move forward in your healing journey.